Welcome to Small Biz Tips with My Connections with your host, Julbert Abraham, where he invites successful six-figure or seven-figure entrepreneurs on the show to share their journey, their failure, their lessons, and tips that can help and inspire up-and-coming entrepreneurs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Tips. Guys, guess what? I am excited. Listen, a lot of you all have been talking about acquisition, right? M&As. I brought somebody here today that's going to really go down and break this thing out for us. So I'm super excited to have him on the call. He is amazing. Jules, what's up, man? (laughs) How are you? Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Thank you again for doing this, brother. I'm excited for you. So, but before we jump into all those cool things you're doing with acquisition, can you share a bit more about who is Joe? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, um, ended up going to college for engineering um, in business. Um, my father had a master's in aerospace. So I ended up doing like a bachelor's in mechanical and minor in aero. Really like fell in love with the whole like business side of um, engineering kind of call it like industrials um, nice. during college. I started at like a few, you know, t- teams in school and um, pretty much did a bunch of internships in like industrial technology. Um, and then, um, you know, after college got out to California, I um, didn't know anybody. So I did a lot of networking with like a lot of business owners trying to just basically look for a job at the time. Um, nice. And, you know, saw that there was a lot of inventory of companies out there and fell in love with um, how that intersects with um, technology. Um, so you can think of me as like day to day now, um, someone who looks for business owners, um, you know, that want to sell their companies mm-hmm. um, and likes to add the whole like industrial tech side um, to old age companies. Um, okay. Uh, so before we even go to that, right, you said you're from Brooklyn, my friend. So BK, I love it. Are are you like, hold on, are you a Knicks fan? Are you a Nets fan? (laughs) (laughs) Are you a Lakers fan? I mean, because you're in Cali now. Yeah, so I I would say Lakers fan now. I mean, I you know, when I was in New York, it was, um, you know, a mix of Nets and Knicks. And, um, (laughs) you know, now it's definitely more Lakers. That's awesome, man. That's good. So let's talk a bit more about uh, your background. So you went to school here, you study um, engineering and technology, and then you got to California. You said you you didn't know anybody. So how, how did you go about start networking? What did you do to kind of get the ball rolling with that? Um, yeah, you know, um, I just kind of reached out to everybody I could talk to on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I made lists of all the companies, um, within like Southern California. Right. I was living at the <laughs> San Diego at the time. So just anyone I could think of anywhere that intersected like more old age, you know, 50 year old uh-huh. company ma- manufacturing something all the way to like startup that was two years old. And, um, just reached out to everyone in the space and told them I like what you do. And it'd be cool to at least come for a tour and see what you guys are working on. And um, wow. to something, at least to something. People reply. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a kind of, you reach out to enough people, you're going to get some people replying, but at the same time, like, I think, um, you know, California is a really interesting place where, you know, especially for industrial technology, there's a lot of, yeah. um, you know, young companies out here and a lot of very open-minded people. Um, so, you know, a certain crowd does end up applying as well, you know? Nice. Nice. So tell us more about, you know, what you're doing now, right? Cause from those internship to working at those companies, like what exactly are you doing now? 
Um, yeah, so, um, you know, after um, doing internships in college, industrial tech, and then working in the space, you know, mm -hmm. I decided that I wanted to buy, um, call it like a, you know, old age industrial company, and add mm. this whole like tech enabled side to it. And um, we acquired um, American Sheet Metal. Um, Congrats. A, thank you. Thank you. And um, the, the company manufactures predominantly infrastructure components, think like, um, you know, supplying, you know, large general contractors with miscellaneous metals for transit stations, um, airports, um, highways, roads, bridges, things like that. And, um, you know, we really built this whole like acquisition vehicle in a way where we can buy many companies over time, wow. especially companies that make sense to uh, be part of American Sheet Metal. But um, we came into the company and added a lot of, you know, tech to it pretty early on. And we've been really excited about that. And uh, kind of seeing, you know, the employees and customers react to all that. It kind of, um, you know, it, it, it's a really interesting way to apply technology to an old age space that doesn't include you starting a startup and trying to sell somebody on something. You could just kind of do it. And um, it's see amazing. The after. I, I, I really like one, your mindset, right? Because you were working and then you say, hey, I want to buy a company. A lot of people will say, hey, I want to start a business. Why didn't you just, you know, hey, I'm going to start a startup like everybody else and say, I'm going to buy a company. What was that mindset? You know, what was going on in your mind that make you say, hey, I want to actually acquire a business? Because a lot of us don't even think about acquiring businesses. We're like, let's just start a business. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, so I think initially it started, you know, when I was in New York. Uh, New York mm. is, a, you know, a big finance scene. Yeah. Um, but as part of finance there, you know, I knew, uh, especially at NYU, there was a bunch of kids that like, they went to college, just like they would do their four years of bachelor's in business and then take over their parents' company. Um, mm. I've heard all sorts of weird companies. I mean, anywhere from like elevator installation and maintenance, all the way to toilet pa paper manufacturing and, you know, every, <laughs> kind of everything in between. And, um, so I knew like businesses could be bought per se, mm. um, at the same time, like. Um, the path that I was heading down career-wise was like, you know, in industrial tech, it went all the way from, you know, working at later stage startups to then yeah. joining one that was a little earlier and then joining another one that was even earlier, right? And then eventually the next step was like, you start your own. And um, I think one thing that I was like starting to get kind of frustrated by in those experiences was like how long it took for something in industrial technology, especially manufacturing, mm -hmm. to get off the ground, right? So in like manufacturing mm. startups, they're not like software. I mean, you basically have to write off the first two to three years just to develop your initial prototype to even see if the market wants it, right? And wow. software, I mean, you could, you know, write the code and have it done a lot sooner. So yeah. um, I, I was like, I want to do something in the physical world, something to do with manufacturing. So what's the fastest way to get to um, you know, revenue, a team, et cetera. And, um, you know, it, it naturally made sense to acquire an existing company. Now, let me ask you this, right? When people hear acquiring a business, they're like, oh my God, it's probably super expensive. Where do I find $10 million or $20 million to do it? <laughs> Can you walk us through what does that look like? <laughs> Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, from my experience, like I came from Silicon Valley and in mm -hmm. that, you know, mindset, I mean, you have like, you know, teenagers going out and raising hundreds and billions of dollars for whatever they muster up. And, um, you know, I think, you know, one thing I think is important is to think in that mindset in the sense that like, you know, getting funding is not as like, you know, I don't want to say like scary as one might think. Mm. I mean, people do it all day. Like I was in a teenager example, they do it all day. So, more importantly, what you need to do is really think about like the asset itself, right? Gotcha. So 
you know, you, you'd be correct in saying that, like, if you were just, um, you know, someone with no background trying to get lots and lots of money, um, just for them to give it to you and you go build something of your own, mm-hmm. that'd be hard. Yeah. I mean, it, you could definitely look at it that way, especially if it's not the next best idea. But um, if it's an existing business, I mean, they're weighing the company itself very strongly in their decision as to whether or not to give you money. So I think finding an asset that is really good, structuring the deal in the correct you know, fashion, um, is probably 80% of the battle, right? Okay. And the other 20 is like what you bring to the table um, with all of it. So I'd encourage anyone starting out to think along those lines first, solve for those two first pieces, and then you can figure out the last one after. Nice, nice. I, I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, because you're not starting from scratch, you have a tangible asset. So you're able to leverage that as a collateral, I'm assuming, when you're going after the funding. Now, you also mentioned earlier about finding old manufacturer that doesn't have the technology and bringing that as your value add. Can you talk a bit more about that? Because there are a lot of businesses for sale, but a lot of us business owners sometimes don't even realize it or pay attention to it. Because we don't know where to start. We don't even know who's selling their businesses. So can you talk a bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, finding companies for sale. I mean, it could be as simple as like you just go on Google Maps and search, you know, I don't know, pet care business near me. And then just call yeah. all of them and say, let me talk to the owner and say, hey, have you thought about selling, right? I mean, that's one way to do it. Um, another way is just to do what you would do in real estate, which is find a broker, right? Brokers mm-hmm. know sellers and pay them, you know, either a retainer or some will just work for you to go find the deals and bring it over or even have some for sale already. Um, mm-hmm. And then try to get a transaction done that way. Um, and I think what's really important is to like really be, you know, kind of open-minded and like, you know, look at like industry associations, try to develop as much like credibility with um, potential partners as you can. Um and then, um, you know, really try to niche down into something that you think you understand well and realistically yeah. you could be a seller selling to you. I think um, what I always tell people starting out is like, instead of thinking you're going to buy a business, pretend you're just, you know, interviewing for the job of CEO of this small business, right? Oh, wow. That's a good thing. Huh. Yeah. And if you think of it that way, right? I mean, you got to ask yourself, well, why would the seller hire me, right? Like if the seller was going to step away and have you be there full time running the company for them, um, why would they hire you, right? So I think that's really important to consider. And if you reframe your mindset that way, this becomes a little bit less daunting and easier. Nah, this is genius. I never thought about that because now it puts you in a position where you can see what the seller is seeing in the business, which takes me to my next thing, right? You guys uh, purchased this business. Are you able to share uh, how much was it? Um, you know, what kind of deal that you look at, you know, in terms of, are you looking at the top line revenue or the profit? Because I know business owners that come to me and say, hey, my business did you know, $3 million last year. Can I sell it for $3 million? I'm like, probably not <laughs> because that's top line revenue. Can you share a bit more about that when you guys were searching to acquire that business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people starting out, they may want to understand valuations, right? Both mm-hmm. on the buy and sell side. Um, I think from the sell side, a lot of people are surprised as to maybe how little some of their companies are worth, right? Like you just yeah. said, right? I'm doing all this in revenue, so it must be at least worth that. Or I have X amount of dollars in tangible assets. It must at least be worth that, right? Um, lots of times it doesn't work that way, right? For these mm. small businesses, typically it works for a multiple of basically free cash flow. And how I basically tell sellers that maybe haven't looked into this too much is like, 
what is left basically in the bank for you every year if you wanted to just write yourself a big distribution check, right? What is that amount that the business would generate? And that's a rough estimate. There's other things like addbacks that go into it, uh, but that's at least a good baseline. And then take that number and multiply it by multiple that's standard for the industry. Now, um, typically, like we'll see stuff around four times that number. That's, you know, rough average, I would say. Um, some are lower, you know, if it's um, kind of less predictable revenue, it'll be a lower multiple. If it's more predictable revenue, it'll be higher. If there's more growth in the industry, it might be higher, um, okay. et cetera, et cetera. And I think, um, you know, the, oftentimes when we see sellers selling, it's usually when they've had a run up in their um, business's valuation, like they had a really good year. There's some extra yeah. sales that came in um, and it's kind of like a stock, right? People want to sell as at the peak, but they don't want to wait till the very, very, yeah, but they don't want to wait till it's the very, very peak. And then it goes down. Right. And over time, the businesses will, you know, a lot of them will fluctuate. So, um, we, you know, oftentimes like we'll find people that are thinking about, um, sales at that point, and it's their job to convince the buyer that that's sustainable. Now, not all that's going to be sustainable, but to whatever extent mm-hmm. possible, you want to base your valuation on what you think is sustainable going forward. So usually some rough number of that. Sometimes they'll use like a weighted average, uh, weighted mm-hmm. average of the last three years or something, weigh the most current years the most or something like that, and then multiply that by four. Okay. Um, so it's typically like that. And then now from there, you can worry about structure. Structure is a whole other world, right? You can figure out maybe agreement on price, but sometimes people disagree on structure. Um, and structure is all just the risk mitigation game. How much risk yeah. are you kind of splitting in this pie? Now, for, for the funding of these deals, or what are we looking at? SBA loans, or is it looking at doing seller financing, or are you bringing in 10, 20% on the table, or are you getting investors? What does, the, now, what does that look like normally? Yeah, I think it depends on the size of the deal. Um, so okay. if it's like, let's say, you know, I don't know, 500 of, e- of EBITDA for cash flow and down, those are pretty much going to be seller finance deals. Okay, A wait, wait, wait. Of- 500 EBITDA. Can you explain what that is? That's 500,000 in profit or what is that? Profit, profit. Yeah. Okay. Not not gross profit, clean profit is basically as if, you know, EBITDA is not exactly, you know, that per se, but call it for simplicity's sake, 500 left over in the bank every year of profitability for you to write yourself a check and, you know, do whatever with. Um, So if it's something like that, I mean, typically, I mean, a lot of brokers, a lot of sellers will try to ask you to take a loan out for that. But frankly, it's a lot easier to just do a seller finance deal directly because the valuation won't be that high anyway. I mean, it might be like a one and a half million to three million to two million dollar deal. Um, So I think that's one. And then, um, you know, if it gets over 500, now you're probably going to be you know, asked to take out like a small business loan, the SBA 7A loan. Um, And that loan typically will support you to a deal around like, I don't know, one five, one seven of EBITDA, mm. something like that. Um, and then after that, you have to then use like commercial um, loans or private, you know, private equity capital or things like that. So they're all three different realms, but like there's different buyers types for each realm. Typically, you know, someone's in the SBA land, they want to operate it. If they're in the under 500, it's like a okay. cash flowing thing or they're using their own personal money versus investors. And if it's over one seven of EBITDA, you're definitely going to have investors and much more complicated funding structure. Oh, wow. That You gave so many good information here, guys. Definitely go back and listen to this twice. <laughs> so uh, I want to cover something, right? You, you, you purchased this business. Tell us more about that actual business. And once you purchase it, right, because it has employees, how, how was that dynamic with you guys coming in as the new owner of the business? Yeah, tell us more about that. 
Yeah, I think it was interesting. Um, you know, when we purchased the company, um, you know, they were very old school. The owner will even call themselves old school. It was like file cabinets <laughs> everywhere, papers, you know, basically no technology. Um, wow. Everything was done just by gut feeling. No, you know, no rhyme or real reason to a lot of stuff. And <laughs> we came in and we immediately gut renovated the whole like, you know, actual facility. So it's a different vibe entirely. But then we did mm. the same thing with the whole tech stack. We added a bunch of tech and changed around a bunch of stuff. And I think um, I would say we were very fortunate in a sense that we found ourselves in a situation where the owner, he hired really experienced people. I mean, some people that have been doing what they're doing for like, you know, 30, 40 years. And wow. unfortunately, he had them kind of go through him for a lot of like small decisions that they already know the answer to. Um, so we identified that really early on and kind of took a like power back to the people strategy, mm -hmm. um, which is like, you know, in Silicon Valley, right? You'd never think to micromanage like someone 40 years experience when you're you know, three employees in a startup, you just kind of, <laughs> you want to run, you want to run for growth and speed. And um, so we did a little bit of that. And then um, we also like, you know, found ourselves with people that like were relatively adaptable to change, um, especially once they saw that the change was for the betterment of their work. And then on top mm -hmm. of that, I think um, what they noticed that, you know, the prior owner used to take all the extra profits and put it in the bank every year for himself. Um, for us, it was different. We kept the money in the company and then just reinvested it back in. And I think, wow. um, well, people appreciated that so um we like That's this awesome. kind of strategy and you know we uh we, we hope that other people are you know thinking in a similar fashion when they acquire companies versus just you know using it as cash flow plays and taking all the money out every year now let me ask you this right um before you even think about acquiring that company did you put your own team together that you say hey these are the people that's going to help me get these companies and acquire them well, like how was that process for you yeah. So, um, you know, when we started, we looked at, um, I, I've been using we a lot and, um, so, you know, I started, um, MSP, um, basically on my own. And, um, when I did that, I knew that like, we wanted to have a deal team together that would kind of mm -hmm. transcend more than one acquisition. So a lot of people that do business buying, they'll just be a one man show, you know, they'll yeah. buy it and maybe there's a partner involved, something like that, but that's usually where it ends. But we wanted to build this so it actually looked more like an acquisition group and it would, yeah. you know, be able to sustain multiple deals. But then we had multiple sets of ideas and skill sets around the table. So when we started out, um, we built the team with, um, you know, I had a, a CFO, um, our CFO, Ron. He's a, spent 30 some years at Deloitte, retired as partner and, um, you know, mm -hmm. serves in like CFO capacity here. Um, we have uh, Kenneth, who um, is an associate. He's MBA in finance, who runs a lot of the operational stuff day to day in the acquisitions with me. And then Sam Rosati, who owns like, I believe it's like five or 10 industrial companies in Tampa that does uh, a lot of deal um, operations and acquisition advice for us. So we kind nice. of cover all our bases there. And then as like we find stuff that, um, you know, let's say we did uh, acquisition, something we weren't like super, super expert in. Um, we can bring in advisors as needed. Um, and then our law firm and our accounting firms too, they're kind of silent partners in all this, but really crucial to having ready early on uh, before you jump into the deal as well. Wow. I, I love the fact that you put that team together of experts that had a lot of different backgrounds that you bring. In. How, uh, but before we wrapped up, right, how long did it take you to actually build that team? And these are people you already had prior relationship with or you kind of met them as you on that journey? What did that look like? Yeah, um, put them together through the journey. Um, you know, basically just what you would do in like a Silicon Valley startup, same concept, you know, you build your team over time. 
Um, our total search initially took us two and a half years. We had like six or seven failed deals, you know, one reason wow. or the other, something failed. And eventually, um, you know, we had the right people kind of join us along for the journey. And, um, you know, this is uh, people that we now have a really good relationship with and we continue on to future deals too. Um, but I think it takes time. I think um, you might get your first advisor and realize that they're just not a fit, right? And mm. it happens all the time. So I think it's important for anybody to understand that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to take time to know who are the right people that um, you want to take the long-term journey with, right? It's not just for one deal and done. Yeah. No, this is fantastic. I appreciate that. Um, For us to wrap up, I'm curious, what is one tip you would share with any business owners who may be thinking about selling their business or even acquire other businesses? You know, what's like that one tip you think that can benefit them? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's important to not be afraid to start small with um, the size of the company. A lot of people like they look at the EBITDA and say, oh, it's too small. There's three people that work there, whatever it is, and they don't want it. Yeah. Uh, but I think once you kind of get some more advanced level of acquisition, you learn that that stuff it matters, but often a lot less than you think. And there's other factors one should be optimizing for. Um, but I think it's important that like you, you know, you understand how evaluations come together because oftentimes you might realize that the money you'd get from a sale today will not yeah. achieve your long-term financial retirement goals. You need X amount of money, you'll get a half X today. So you might want to run it three more years and then get what you need and then try to sell versus, you know, go out there and um, test the market just to be disappointed. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Now, how do people get in touch with you if they want to work with you or partner with you? What does that look like? Uh, sure. Um, so, you know, we definitely um, always happy to talk to people who are investing in the space. I know some people like, you know, they want to buy small businesses, but they don't have the time, desire or you know, appetite for it, whatever it is. Um, so investing in a deal is a good way to kind of do that and branch out and um, diversify risk. So if there's ever interest in investing in like um, anything industrial oriented, whether it's services or manufacturing, kind of old age stuff that, you know, very bankable and people love. Um, happy to talk. Um, we're actually in the process of going through a rebound. Our website right now is manufacturingsuccession.com or rebranding to industrialsuccession.com, nice. which bo both websites will actually lead you to the same place um, here in the next like two weeks or so. So feel free to reach out. Uh, it's just jbrenner at manufacturingsuccession.com, first initial, last name. Um, and, you know, if it's just people looking to um, develop like just a, in a relation to how do I buy businesses or, hey, I might want to um, sell my company or something like that at some point reach out we always love to talk to the business owners and you know maybe we can at least give you guys some ideas in which way to go forward um but um you know we're, uh, we're always excited to meet the community and thanks for having me on today thank you jewel guys check out jewel he is a gem full of information around acquisition Thanks for jumping on. We're going to put all your links in the show notes. So anybody that needs access can definitely get access to it. And have an amazing one, guys. Later. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Tips. For more, subscribe to our YouTube channel and connect on LinkedIn and Instagram at Jeff Abe Online. And check out our website at www.abrahamglobal.com.